Welcome to Trade Avogad Podcast. This is show number 27, and it's great to have you join us this morning. Uh, my name's John Warren. My very good mate, Ashley Ralph, is over in Adelaide. Welcome, Ash. JW, good to be here. So 2021, we've, uh, we had a catch-up uh, the other day, but uh, obviously we're moving through really quickly, uh, almost mid-Feb, and a bit of news in the last, well, certainly yesterday. Um, Eddie Maguire, no longer at Collingwood. That's, uh, that's a big call, isn't it, for the AFL? Yeah, it is. It is. About 20 years uh, is a long time. Like you said, you know, his, his children were born when he was president of the footy club, so they've known no different in that regard. Um, so yeah, big, big, uh, big call to step down now, and he was stepping down at the end of the year, so it's brought it forward a little bit. So I think uh, I think a lot of people will be sad to see him go. I know a lot of people get frustrated with him, but he um, he's done a lot for footy. There's no question about that. Yeah, and he has. I mean, the long commitment, and obviously all those other issues will sort themselves out. So, um, but certainly in regards to the passion to a footy club, he's, he's invested a lot, and it's a shame to see him leave on those terms. But that's sometimes the way things work out. Uh, the other news, of course, in Sydney, we built this beautiful big um, tower that was going to have a Crown Casino, and I'm not <laughs> sure if you saw the news, but uh, at this stage, they haven't got a license to run that casino, which is a big challenge for them. Yeah, it'll be, it will be a big challenge for him, and, uh, and the steps they've got to take now, and he's got to lose a bit of ownership of it and all those sort of things, and they've brought into question Victoria and Perth now, so it'll be interesting to see how far that goes, but obviously, you know, a couple of billion dollar building um, they had big plans for it but uh, you know I think it's good by the authorities to, to stand up and say hang on a minute we don't think things have been done the right way for a bit of time so let's uh, let's review it so no it's good mate it's, yeah, um, it's big news and obviously the, the impact to their board I think I uh, heard a little bit earlier today it's, there's a few changes in the board already as the fallout from it so watch this space and tennis I'm not sure have you watched any of the Australian Open so far yeah, absolutely. Twelve Aussies through to the second round. Well, that's excellent. But what are your thoughts on not having linesmen, the lines people? <laughs> yeah. Well, COVID's brought technology to the forefront, hasn't it? To, uh, to trust it. So, uh, I think every every sporting code's going to go through these changes going forward. Because as I've been a call, even in cricket for a long time now, if the technology's there, why don't we use it more often? And cricket's been trying to do it, but they've still got the umpires standing out there. But uh, yeah, I think the, the tennis is going to lead the way with. Do you need you know Do you need people sitting in a chair, missing some things? Well, it is terrible for the people, the human part of it, where they obviously uh, love doing what they do. I mean, it's essentially a job for a lot of them. But but technology takes a lot of the uh, dispute out of it now. There is an opportunity to to override. So I think it, it might change the behaviour of a lot of players now. Where they when they give it upset, they blame someone else. Whereas now it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, it is different, and, and obviously the crowd... Are tennis lost, uh, players have never done that, Johnny. Tennis players have never blamed someone else. Uh, no, no. That's no. never happened, surely. Hey, look, let's, <laughs> let's start talking about some business stuff on Trade Avangard this Sweet. morning. And uh, I, I know that we keep saying we're excited, but um, today we have uh, Kean Brennan. Kean is the Managing Director of Quantum Contract Solutions. And I suppose why we're excited about that is because contract is one of those things for tradies that there's always opportunities to better understand and mitigate a little bit of risk associated to, to contracts. So welcome, Ken. Good morning. Good morning, Ash. John, how are you going? Wonderful. Now, Ken, you're over in WA, so you're a few hours uh, behind us, I suppose, on the, on the eastern states. How's life in uh, WA with your, your border being so rigidly closed? It was fine until last week, but it's, uh, yeah, look, can't complain really. In comparison to the rest of the world, I think 
Australia's pretty lucky. What do you think? Unbelievably lucky. Yeah, and even now, when we do talk about some spread, most of it's coming out of quarantine. So uh, hopefully we can maintain those standards and uh, and keep everyone safe locally. But compared to the rest of the world, it's you couldn't be in a better part of the world. I don't think. I had a uh, I had a conversation with a guy this morning, a customer, and he asked a question. It's be interesting for you guys with what you just said, Kean. Are the rest of the world laughing at us because we closed the borders so quickly? Or do they look at us and say, how come we can't be like Australia? Which way does it go? I reckon it's changed, right? It probably started off like that. And now it's like, oh, I wish we had just shut down early. So, you know, two weeks of pain and we all did it and then we'd be fine. But things are different yeah, there as well. Everyone, you know, just, just how many people in Australia and how big is it in comparison to the same number of people in, in say, Belgium or, or somewhere like that, all living on top of each other. You know, it's not, it's not as easy, I guess. No, you're right. It's, uh, we have some clear advantages being a big island, New Zealand uh, next to us as well, the same. So, But that being said, I mean, the, the world's got smaller, but uh, I'm glad that we're in our part of the world. So we're pretty lucky. <laughs> hey, Ken, um, quantum contract solutions. I mean, your business obviously focuses on contracts. And I know for tradies, this is one of those, those areas where there's always a lot more curiosity and, and maybe some fear in some cases. Uh, typically, if they might win a contract, uh, their first uh, immediate thought is, okay, what have I left out? What have, <laughs> what have I done wrong? Um, so from your perspective, uh, can you share with the listeners uh, how you got involved in construction contracts? Um, well, just construction in general, just growing up, really, I've, I've always preferred being out in, and on site. Um, you know, I do, I always find it a bit more of an adventure. Um, it wouldn't have... It wouldn't have things that makes me smile the most is I remember getting off a plane in, in Basra airport in, in Iraq um, and we got escorted by security guards to a place called a Dust Bowl when, which was outside of the airport and then we got onto this armored vehicle with a bulletproof um, jacket on and uh, drove two and a half hours right down to the bottom of Iraq to a place called Um Qasr which, in, which incidentally is where Saddam Hussein transferred over to Kuwait to, to start the, uh, the, 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 the war. And uh, obviously being, you know, being in that situation, the first thing you do is you get your phone up, you take a selfie, you send it to your wife. Um, but I remember thinking, this is what it's all about. This is an adventure. And, and, and to me, I, I ended up being there for two years, but to me, construction has always been an adventure. And once you're on site and you see things growing around you, it's always been a passion to me. And uh, my background, you know, my, my granddad owned a building company in Galway in Ireland. Uh, my first job was a labour on a building site. I'm pretty sure, probably my folks won't like me saying, but I'm pretty sure it was 11 or 12 years old. So, uh, and then worked on a building site all the way through uni, uh, as well as a pub. Um, I guess I guess I'm, I am Irish after all, but yeah. So, so really just 2008, crash hit Ireland. Um, really bad um, and a company in, in Perth had advertised a job um, and applied for it, got it um, and then as soon as I arrived in Perth there was just a massive oil and gas boom which really meant tons of disputes, tons of contracts issue and if I'm being honest a lot of subbies, tradies losing a, mo a lot of money going out of business because they signed up to something that they probably shouldn't have um, so that's really how, how how I got into it, and that's where the passion passion was born. And what is your trade? 
Um, mine is, is, is it's contracts, so uh, construction economics and management uh, is, is what I did in uni and then a master's in engineering management. So anything to do with uh, contractual disputes, um, contracts management, contracts negotiation. Well, we mate, uh, Iraq, like that, uh, as soon as you started mentioning that, you know, your eyes start to light up, that would have been an, a massive experience, but, uh, and like you said, an exciting one, and, and you're here to tell the tale, which is fantastic. So obviously lots of experience, lots of expertise in the construction side, and obviously, uh, as John just asked, you know, your, your university training was through contracts. How did, after the, you had the time in Perth with the company, what made you take the big step to start Quantum Contract Solutions? Yeah, so 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 I was I was client side, um, and really I, I was the guy rejecting applicate payment applications, rejecting variations, extensions of time, um, and when you see this happening all the time, you see what's happening from the client side. Um, you know, sometimes they just uh, the, the trader, the, the person su submitting the, the payment claim or your variation has just done a, done a poor job and you're just like, come on, buddy, come on. If you can just, I, I'm not rejecting this, but I can't get this approved my side unless you do a good job. So that, that could be one issue. Sometimes it's budget issues. Sometimes it's internal politics. But the key tech takeaway for me was that I felt like a lot of these subcontracting companies were getting pushed around and it wasn't fair and really when you when you've got a contract all the risk gets pushed down the line so you get your main contractor who or sorry you got your client who engages the main contractor and he'll have terms and conditions and then he'll engage all the subbies but he'll want his subbies contract to be harsher than the contract that he signed to cover himself if anything happens so he can turn around and, and send it up the line so really the biggest challenges i've seen for construction subcontractors or you know or tradies really is is that they're, they're contractually vulnerable they, they don't know what's in their contracts they lose money on their projects uh, and then another one you see quite a lot is they leave money on the table they they don't claim for additional work that they should be claiming for um, and sometimes they can look pretty amateur to the client which is obviously really not what they're, they're trying to do and so you know, it, it's it's sometimes with, with contracts, you, you, you've got this thing where I don't appear too contractual because then they won't give me the work. And, and actually, in reality, it doesn't work out that way. If you don't, have, if you just sign what they give you and they're like, oh, this guy is, a, you know, he's pretty amateur. He's just signed what we've given him. That's that's the game. There's a, there's a good story about um, two electrical contractors in in WA in a, one of the, I won't go into Northwest Shelf projects. And they were engaged to work on two on one project, but two different parts of the site. Um, and one, you definitely know one of the companies, but one of the one of the companies was um, very experienced, very contractual. Okay, uh, another one of the companies uh, was um, how do I say? Like their their focus was to do a really good job, right? At all costs, we're going to do a good job. So the contract went on, and the and the company that wanted to do a god, they did uh, do a good job. They did an amazing job. They did a really really good job. However, contractually, they didn't. They they didn't cover their variations. They didn't get. They, they weren't on top of of anything really. And the other company did an okay job, um, but were contractually very savvy. The company that was contractually savvy did really well, made a lot of money. The company that performed brilliantly 
but wasn't contractually savvy lost a lot of money and that's and that's really what it comes down to there's there's you can deliver you can deliver on site and um, but you also need to deliver contractually does that make sense it does ken and uh, when we talk about our tips and tricks series i mean i think that's a great tip uh, tip or trick there around contracts is that one did a really good job in regards to outcome but didn't manage the contract part of it well and the other vice versa managed the contract beautifully but delivered a really bad outcome potentially which is interesting and, and a real insight for traders to understand that that uh, and it sounds like from what you described there it is a little bit of a game if, if a trader comes along and signs it uh, with no variations to the contract uh, it's a bit of a an alarm is that true yeah yeah absolutely absolutely one of one of our clients uh, um they would be you know further down the pecking order with regards they're a fencing company fencing fencing and noise walls and they'd never done anything like this before and the feedback from the client to them was uh you know thank you for your departures so that these are when you're preparing a set of departures these are the things we don't agree in your contract basically thank you for the departures very professionally presented um, but it's given us confidence that you know what you're doing. That was their response. Yeah. Hey, when you started, uh, what year did you start Quantum Contract Solutions? 2019. 19, okay, so so very new. Some of the trades we're talking with, uh, they might be working for the boss at the moment and plan to start their own business uh, and start their own trading business in this case. And or some might be the same, uh, only very new into business. Can you maybe share with us around that business part of business? What are some of the challenges you faced when you started Quantum Contract Solutions? So, just for just just from a business, just growing a business, I guess, um, marketing and sales is 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 very important. Wouldn't it wouldn't have been a skill set of mine, but it's it's obviously one of those things that you need to get good at because at the start you wear so many hats. You you are your marketer, you are your salesperson, you are your head of operations. Um, and no, no marketing, no sales is no business. Um, but specifically for, for my business, it was, it was an education piece really, because for a lot of tradies, they, uh, uh, um, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that this is an issue before it's too late. Um, and it's trying to educate people as, as well as potentially trying to, you know, uh, sell my services. That, that was always a difficult thing. Uh, and the analogy that I like to use is with contracts, it's it's one of those things that it's like driving a car without insurance. So it's not a problem until it's a problem, and then it's a big problem. Yeah, uh, fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I like that bit. Letting uh, education piece when you're setting up, letting tradies know what they don't know. And I think your insurance story nails that really. That's uh, that's perfect. And and I suppose why you will be able to bring so much value to the traders listening. What about, uh, Ken, from the risk part of a contract? Is that, I mean, we imagine that's one of the, you know, the biggest concerns of a tradie when he, he gets sent a, a contract of, you know, X amount of, you know, pages, and generally there's lots and lots and lots of legal stuff in there that um, not too many of us would understand as tradies. Um, you know, what are some of the dangers you talked about before the guy that did well at a contract and the guy that didn't do so well at the contract but did well at the job. Um, what are some of the dangers of not having, you know, like the full resources to give it the full attention um, to these contracts before you sign on the dotted line? I guess the, I guess the big one is, is signing up to something you, you didn't understand or, or know was in there. So there's, there's two sides to that. One is, one is, 
you know, you're, you're taking on risk that you don't know you're taking on. That's, that's, a, that's a big piece. And the other thing is you're potentially, and, and you know, this, this could come in the future, in the contract it might say you have to pay for all COVID vaccinations for your staff. Okay, going forward, let's just mm. see that that's an example. One, one is a risk and one is a cost. And if you didn't know both of those things and in there, both of them can impact you pretty, pretty bad. Um, and then the needs leads on to the next one, which is cash flow. Uh, cash flow is a big thing for smaller companies, if you think about it. So if you if you have got if you're on site and someone's come up to you verbally and said, um, I need you to send five guys over there to install uh, whatever a pipe, whatever it happens to be, um, or dig a hole, or you know do do some uh, install erect some additional scaffolding, whatever 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 your trade is. You go and you do that, and you you spent you you know you you got your five guys by five days doing that work doing that work. You pay your guys obviously because that's that's what you got to do, and then you you put in your variation to the client, and the client doesn't pay it for whatever reason. They reject it. You did, there wasn't it was a verbal instruction. Was anything written or was it, you know, the way you've put your variation together isn't good enough for us to approve it, and then so then it gets delayed and these things do tend to drag out because the, you know, the, the, the companies approving the variations, you know, might have long processes internally and you might get that approved for quite some time. And so you're essentially financing the project for them in the meantime, because you've paid your guys the work has been done and they haven't paid you for it. So that's, that's, that's the thing that can really squeeze tradies. Um, and, and the other thing is, ultimately loss of profit or margin. So in that example, if, if they wouldn't, if they didn't pay you for those, that additional work that you did, you, you have to absorb that cost and that eats directly into your profit, directly into your margin. So there are the three things. So you sign up for something you didn't understand, cash flow issues and the loss of profit. They're the main things that you can be impacted with. Yeah, I think you've kept that really nicely simple. I mean, it nails it again, signing up for something that you don't understand. In all the excitement, particularly when they're new, new in business too, this is our first big contract, this is gonna make us. And of course, the impacts of making poor decisions there, and you said it again. One is about risk and one is about the cost that could be tied into that contract that you didn't understand. And then the cash flow impacts, of course, the delays um, and a poor process if you're not managing that process and delays in payment and ultimately lost in margin and profit. And then that's what business is all about, isn't it? It's, it's making more money than you spend. Are there any practical steps that you could maybe share with tradies? So the next time they, they go to sign a contract, um, what are some of those tips and tricks to, to really make sure they're well prepared to, to go to that process? Yeah, so look, what, what are, obviously there's lots, so every contract is different. And, and depending on your trade, there's different things you want to look out for too as well. So, you know, uh, a scaffolding company is never going to sign defects liability because their scaffold is gone when they're finished. So what, what's the point in signing up for defects liability? So that, that's an example. But so each contract, and these are not the only three things, but there's three important things. So the first thing is termination clause. Go straight to your termination clause in the contract. And you need to be able to get out of the contract. That's one of the things you, you don't want to be trapped in a contract. So termination clauses, a lot of the times will say, 
as the client, say I'm the client and, and you, you and Ash are, 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 the, are the tradie, and I say to you guys, well, here are a load of ways that I can terminate you guys. I can terminate you for convenience, which basically means I can terminate you for whatever reason I want. And I can terminate you for default. The default is you not complying with the contract. As a minimum, and, and, and most, most clauses will end there. That's it, They'll have those two things in. So you need to have a way where you can terminate me, right? You as a tradie can terminate me for default for them not complying with the contract. And what we're really talking about is them not paying you. Okay, so a situation that you really want to avoid is they haven't paid you for whatever reason, okay? And you have to continue working on site. You have to continue spending money. And then if they haven't paid you in month you know, one, are you concerned that they're not gonna pay you in month two? And so you need to be able, if they haven't paid you, so that is them you know, uh, defaulting and you can terminate them for default. Does that make sense? It's, an inter uh, it's interesting the way you flipped it. So you turn around and flip the contract back on on them. So you say they put a termination clause saying, we'll, we'll move you on if we feel like it's not working or we don't like you or whatever. And we'll also not pay you if we don't think you've done the job. Now, interesting, you know, when you start talking about whether you think I've done a good job or you know I've done a good job, it can be two different things in two different people's eyes. So getting caught out there, um, yeah, it just sounds uh, an easy loophole to miss, I suppose, when you're you know, in that one when you're reading a contract. Um, yeah, yeah. Without knowing what you're looking for. And then the, the another another tip is is consequential damages. So this this is one that is very dangerous and you should never sign up for. Um, so you just go into a contract, do a search for consequential damages or consequential loss, uh, and make sure that you you don't agree agree to it. So to give an example of what that is, is say you were um, engaged to uh, construct a, a hotel. And so you dele you've delayed on, on that, and it is your fault. You've made a mistake, it is your fault. Um, what typically would happen is you would get hit with li liquidated damages. Okay, so I think most of us know what liquidated damages, right, yep. are. And so that's, li that's fine, that's reasonable, that's fair, you've delayed them. Uh, consequential damages are uh, compensating your client for their loss of profit from not renting out the hotel rooms. Okay. So that, that's where that's almost undefinable. And it, it could also be so large if your client is so big that it could put you out of business. So that's one of the ones we definitely say you need to, to, to get rid of. And then the final one is making sure that your liability is capped as a minimum at the contract value, but ideally say at 50% of the contract value. So basically if the proverbial SH1T hits the fan, that the most that they could come after you for really is, is that amount. So 50% of the contract value or the contract value. If it's unlimited, then your company is fully exposed to whatever could happen. Okay, so there's, there's, there's three ones. Yeah, and three big ones, right? When you start talking about them, what they actually mean, they're three massive ones. And I suppose the, the attractiveness to these sort of jobs or, or a large contract is obviously the money you can make out of it for the for the contractor or the tradie or you know, the, the building company. Um, that's the attractiveness because at the start, you know, if you talk about a I don't know, $10 million contract, for example, 
there's a lot of money to be made and, and, and could make you, but it also could, like you said, could break you at the same time. So it's an interesting one. So if those three clauses weren't able to be overturned in the contract between you and, and, and the company wanting to employ you, and that, I know it's a big question, but would you see red flags to that and want to want the client to walk away? Yeah, uh, I, I honestly, we do so many of these contract reviews, the client almost always agrees to these. It's almost as if, ah, oh, you got us, you got us, we're happy to take them out, <laughs> you know? Um, so those ones, they're generally, and because they're fair, you know? Like, if you're going to terminate me for not, for not doing it, I, I need to be able to terminate you if you don't pay me. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. um, so, yeah. Uh, but yes, they'd be massive red flags, uh, and you'd need to make a commercial decision. Are you up for the risk? What's the value of the contract? I mean, if the contract is, say, 10, 20, 30 grand, um, then you could, you know, you could risk it for a biscuit. But that would be a decision you'd have to make internally. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so but we've, we've talked about the issues with some of the contracts and, and what we should do. From a quantum contract solutions point of view, like, if you could, like, can you explain the steps? If I sent you a contract today, what, what yeah. are the next steps that you guys take going through that to then come back to me with a report? Yeah, so, so, what, we, so, so what we do as, as a company is, is we help, we, we provide a managed service for contract reviews, contracts admin, and, and dispute management for construction subcontractors. So our goal is to help them to protect uh, their company contractually uh, and to make more profit on, on their projects, really. So with a, with a contract review, where what we do is you'd send us in your contract review. We would review the contract to give you a full review of, of what's included. And we'd also prepare your departures for you. So that, that is, you know, your negotiation tool. This is going back to the client and saying, you know, you've asked me to sign this or you're part of a tender and, and they've asked you to submit your departures. Here's what we don't agree with. And here's the reasons why. And here's what we propose instead. Okay, so put that in very professional. Then the last thing we do as well is we record a five to 10 minute video. And the reason we do that is because if you are running a business, uh, you're busy, you've got so many different hats on, you're trying to deliver, and you're trying to, as we said earlier, you're trying to market, you're trying to say it, you're trying to, you're trying to sell. Um, there's lots going on. So the last thing you want to do is review a review. So if we send you a big document and you have to review it, you know, it's going to take you some time. So what we actually do is we record a five to 10 minute video and we walk you through everything. So we say, look, here's the review. Here are the, the tricky points in the contract. Here are the departures that we've prepared and why we've pre pre prepared them. Here are a few commercial decisions that you guys need to make. Hey, Ken, um, sorry, yep. Ken, departures. Can you just explain for our listeners uh, the definition of departures? Yeah, so so departures is so when you get a contract from your client or your or whoever whoever sent you the con the uh, the contract, at, if you're at if you're tendering for work, you will do this at tender stage. So you you basically prepare a document that says these are the things that we don't agree to in the contract, and the reasons why and what we propose instead. Okay. Now, oftentimes you might just get a contract. Or you need to start on work. You need to start on site four days, you know, two days time. We need, here's a contract, sign it. In that situation, it's the same. We go send you back the departures. It's just a document explains why we don't agree to things and what to do instead. That's that's what a departures is, or a departure document. Okay. 
Um, and then, so yeah, so then what would happen is you would submit your departures to the client. They would come back to you and they'd say, okay, we agree to 10 out of 12 departures. Um, you send them back to us. We would re-look at those two that uh, haven't been agreed. We'd propose something else or um, we would suggest that you uh, agree to them uh, or whatever it happens to be. Then you'd send that back. Then they would send you a final contract. You would send us the final contract to review. And then and, and Ash and John, this is one of the things I, I can't emphasize enough. 50% of the time, what you've agreed in your departures of what you've agreed not to include in the contract isn't included in the final draft that they send you, or not all of them. So send it back to us. We'll make sure that they're all in there. We'll give you the okay to sign, and then off you go. So it's that negotiation point, isn't it, mate? It um, becomes that, like you said, there's 12 things that uh, between you and your customer agree that shouldn't be in the contract. You send it back. Is it go back and forward a few times with the the company, you know, presenting the contract? Like, is it the negotiation going for a little while? Do you think normally? Um, typically, there's I'd say one to two iterations. So we'll send we'll send the departures. They'll come back and they'll say we agree to eight to ten, and then they'll come back and most of the time it's done. Then the odd time there's one more. You know, go back again, try this, and go back again. You know. You know, it, there's, there's, you know, there's stuff like COVID that's, that's creeping into these contracts as well, and no one wants to take the risk of COVID. Um, so, you know, they're saying, they could come back to you and say, look, our head contract says we have to take the risk, so we have to pass it down to you. So lots of little things that need, just need to be discussed. So how can your business help trades and subbies that might be listening there? What, what are some of the things they would come to you now? Because I think from what you've shared so far there, you put enough uh, doubt in some of their minds, particularly they, they might have signed some contracts and might need some uh, support or expertise in maybe reviewing some of them. Yeah, well, look, look, if you can go to our website, so quantumcontractsolutions.com, just scroll down um, and there's a contact form. Um, and if you fill that out, look, we'd be happy to do a free brainstorm call with, with any of your listeners. So on that call, we'll go through um, our, our framework um, and we'll try and identify where they are at the moment, um, try and get them to a position where, um, you know, they, they, don't, they, can, they can feel a bit more confident about their, their contracts and what they're signing up for. Um, look, the session that we do is, is completely free. We're here to help. I guess the, the question that jumps in is why we do it for free. Um, look, well, we know a certain percentage of people will be interested in working with us and we can implement the plan together and if that's not there's no problem you you'll walk away with a, a real plan a bit a bit of over over and back a bit of high level advice and, and you can implement it on your own yeah fantastic thank you Ken. and i suppose a bit of a review on what we have covered i mean you talked about when you first started your business and that marketing and sales was that new skill set that uh, that you had to sort of learn and develop quite quickly and I think for traders out there, exactly the same. I mean, they're very good at what they do in their craft and uh, in their trade and the tools that they use. But marketing and sales uh, initially is something to put a, a bit of time in. And certainly from an innovative tradies club point of view, that's one of two of our, our key blocks in, in small business. Uh, and education, in your case, letting traders know what you do and uh, how to contact you. And, and for traders out there, the same message is true for the customers they're attracting. Uh, some of those tips about <clears throat> excuse me signing up for something you don't understand and i'm sure you'd have many many hours of stories of people that have done that and the pain that that's uh, that's come from from making bad decisions so make sure that you do understand what you're signing 
uh, and one creates risk and the other side of it creates cost. So that's going to impact obviously your cash flow and delays and maybe having a poor process and um, maybe not such a good outcome for, for small business. Every contract's different. Uh, I think you did mention that and that's so true. So hence your expertise and, and what your team brings to the table is going to help uh, a lot of trades out there make better decisions. I think the three big ones you mentioned, the make sure the termination clause, uh, if they want to get rid of you, that you have the opportunity to do the same. Uh, and I think that's fair. That consequential damages or, or loss and make sure that they're remo removed as part of those departures that you talked about. And that liability is a captain. I think uh, you mentioned it, uh, no more than 50% of the contract value. So in the event that it does turn uh, badly, at least there's some protection or have a survival for the business uh, because without that, uh, the business could die in a business sense. And again, sort of summarising that departure piece, um, so 50% of those departures typically are removed from the contract. And, and I think if you don't ask, you don't get. I think that's the, the learning from that. Oh, oh, sorry, can I, do you mind if I clar clarify? Yeah, so, so no, no, most of the time we'll get most of our departures across the line. What, what I mean with that 50% is when you have, uh, you've agreed all your departures, everyone is like, yep, this is where we stand. And then they send you the final contract. 50% of the time they haven't put the agreed departures in there. All right, perfect. Well, Kay and Ash, uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, you'll find uh, the website in the notes of the podcast, so you better find uh, Kian's uh, Quantum Contract Solutions website there. You can go there, and of course, you can find us at www.innovativetradies.club, and you'll see some information there. So that's it. Show number 27 is done. So within the ute, the van, the site shed, the office, or maybe looking and reviewing your last five contracts. We thank you very much for sharing your time with us today, and uh, we hope to speak with you next time at Trade Avant Garde. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and speak with you soon.